Welcome to The Boneyard with Steve Robertson. As always, I am your good friend and host, Steve Robertson, here on the Maroon Friday edition of The Yard. I promised you guys I would record Thursday night. I am. I'm doing it now. So you'll be able to listen to this either late night Thursday or on your morning drive, perhaps during your workday on Friday. It's Maroon Friday. I am in Atlanta, Georgia. I guess that's not technically correct. I'm in the northeast corner. I'm in the suburbs of Atlanta. I'm out in Roswell, Georgia. Just wanted to stay on this side because I got I got some business to attend to out here, and then I'm headed to Columbia, South Carolina for a uh, recovery function up there. I'm excited about that. Wanted to break up the drive a little bit and take care of some business while I'm out here in the east. Hope you guys are holding it down back there in Mississippi. I'll be back on Saturday. So a lot to talk about today. Uh, I'm in a good mood. Had a great day today. Uh, it was a good drive down. Weather wasn't too bad. Had a good time since I've been here. Had a great meal at a local place called the Brookwood Grill. Really nice service there. I think they thought I was in a band, though. Because, like, the hostess went to take me to the table, and then they motioned her over and had me sit somewhere else. And then the waiter came up, and then the dining room manager came up, and then the, the manager came up, and then the dining room manager and the waiter both waited on me. And a guy kept asking questions that made me some context clues that made me think that perhaps he didn't know who I was and thought I was somebody that I wasn't. And so one guy says, hey, are you guys playing a show in town tonight? And I I just kind of let it go. And the guy goes, hey, man, I love that old school cult shirt you got on. So I never let him off the hook. I've learned to just kind of let people have a little mystery. You know, when people come up and ask me directly, I'll just tell them, no, I'm not in a band, even though I wear a band member's uniform. So be that as it may, it's been a great day here in uh, northeast Georgia. Looking forward to a great day tomorrow. And, uh, you know, looking forward to getting into fall camp, too. I thought about that today. It's like, you know, pretty soon we're going to be back on a regular schedule. We'll be able to go to practice, be able to watch the team, kind of see who's progressing. And that's the thing that I've learned about this stuff, too. All these years of doing this, don't get too wrapped up in the fall camp 7-on-7 heroes. A couple years ago, Javante Payton was that guy. Never really translated on the field here or at Tennessee. He had some big plays in Tennessee, but he didn't have big production at either place. That guy was an incredible practice player, though. Got practice with some amazing effort. I was really surprised it didn't turn out better than it did. But last year, we saw Makai Polk out there, and it really, really looked like we had something. Now, this spring, Justin Robinson showed some flashes. I, I didn't think that he played with maybe the same level of effort that Makai did. Like, and he's so big. You know, he can be putting forth max effort, kind of moving. It doesn't look like he's running hard. But uh, I'm eager to see him this fall, really eager to see him this fall. And I've had a lot of the wide receivers tell me, you know, what a, the step forward that the, the secondary has made uh, in the spring. So I want to see some more team stuff, right? I mean, it was now it's time to start getting excited. We had a disappointing season in baseball. We had some big moments in softball, but it seems like, and a friend of mine shared this with me recently, it just seems like it's been a long summer, and it really has. And I think part of it's because last year, you know, we, we partied up until you know, mid-July because we'd won an AFL championship. You know, we won the championship, we come back, we have the fourth, we have the big celebration at Duty Noble Field, and we're all buying our gear, and everybody's on social media trying to find out where their stuff is, and how do I track my NAFL championship shirts, and 
The next thing you knew, we were in football season. And we almost felt guilty. It's like, I'm not ready to, to quit celebrating baseball, but i got to turn the page to football. This year, it's been totally different. This year, I've just been so eager to turn the page to football because, number one, I think we're going to be good. I'm not going to sit here and say I think we're going to be great. I do think we're going to be good. I think we're going to have a good year. I think we're going to be very entertaining to watch. And I'm kind of ready to kind of put baseball behind us for a little bit, kind of like Chris Lamontis and his guys work. And I'm excited about, you know, to, to open up two new eras in Mississippi State men's and women's basketball. So I'm looking forward to the winter sports. Really looking forward to it. I know many of you share that same enthusiasm. And we just need to go play a game. It was so frustrating for us. Okay, forget the fact that Ole Miss won an AFL championship. And you know what? Much respect to them. They won it. And so, there's, you know, I'm not going to diminish that accomplishment at all. It's very difficult to win the College World Series. But our, our summer, and maybe that made it worse, but having to sit there and watch everybody else play and enjoy college baseball, and we weren't a part of it, man, it sucked. It did. So we need a palate cleanser. And we, you know, the portal recruiting's been great. We've had some football recruiting stuff. But none of that moves the needle like playing a game in a major sport. So we need to get out there on the field, make some things happen. And uh, kind of the first peak of football is SEC Media Days. We're going to talk about that a lot today on the show. Uh, but our first segment is going to be about in-state recruiting. We're going to touch on some recruiting stuff. There are some things out there, some developments, some, or maybe to say some potential developments out there of note. Before we get into all that, let's thank our friends at Bulldog Burger Company. I love Bulldog Burger Company. You will, too. You'll be glad you took your friends and family to that place. Yeah, there's so many places these days, not just in the restaurant business, but everywhere. It's like they, they want more for less. and They want you to keep paying. And in some cases, they have raised the prices, and they're giving you less. That's just not the case at Bulldog Burger Company. I went to a restaurant. I'm not going to say which one. Went to a restaurant. Hadn't been there in a while, and I went in. And there was this extra charge on my check. I'm like, what is this? And so oh, we're just kind of passing that along to people. It's no explanation. They just, I guess I just hope you don't notice. And so I'm going to be honest with you. I'm, I don't know that I'm going back. And so the portions weren't the same, and then the prices were up, and it just kind of turned me off. Maybe you feel differently. Maybe you do. I don't. And maybe I maybe feel differently a month from now. Maybe I'll get a craving and want to go back to that place. But uh, what I love about Bulldog Burger Company is not just you know the quality of products and service and atmosphere, but the integrity. There's some integrity. These guys have been in business a long time. They know what it means for you guys to choose them for your night out with friends and family. They want it to be a great experience for you. It's something they take very personal. And I respect them for that. That's why, I mean, listen, when I... When I would come up, when I was living in Baton Rouge, I'd come up, I'd always go eat like at Harvey's or somewhere like that because I wanted to eat at a local place. You know, the Eat With Us group, they're setting the gold standard around here in many respects. Bulldog Burger Company, part of that great group of, of restaurants. Three great locations to serve you, University Drive in Star Vegas, Gloucester Street there in Tupelo, and of course the newest one, Lake Harbor Drive there in the Ridgeland Flowood area. Be sure and go check them out today. Get those spring rolls for your appetizer. You'll be glad you did because it'll make you and everybody around you better looking. Bulldog Burger Company, the place where people go to meet. M-E-A-T.
All right, I want to remind you guys too, I'm on the road and uh, I'm working on my laptop with some older software. I do have my great mic with me, but if the sound quality is not the same it normally is, it's not you. Or maybe it is you. It's really not you, it's me. So if it sounds a little different today, just kind of bear with me. This is a temporary thing. Again, I'm, I think it'll be okay, but I don't know. And again, this is older software. It's not what I use at home. So let's talk some in-state recruiting stuff because there um, been a lot of discussions about this, you know, about what's the best strategy. Is our strategy better? Is Ole Miss's strategy better? Uh, how are players responding to how they're being recruited. Uh, I, I share this with you. You know, I, I'm going to be both positive and maybe constructive when it comes to some Mississippi State stuff here. Okay, I'm going to be honest with you guys because we're family, right? If I can't be honest with you guys, I can't be honest with anybody. So I'm going to share with you some things that I like that we're doing, and I'm going to share some things that I wish we were doing a better job with. I think that's part of my responsibility. I don't think it's just as simple as just get on here and you know, read the scores and provide some analysis. Because a lot of you guys, you know, you don't follow recruiting as closely as I do. And so the couple things that I want to say about that, and I touched on this the other day, and it kind of struck a nerve with some people that kind of felt like me, you know, when it came to in-state recruiting. You know, we've, we've got to be first. Now, there is a measure of risk with all that, too, because, like, what you guys respond to is all of a sudden you see some out-of-state kid or some in-state kid get, you know, seven, eight, nine out-of-state offers. You're like, hey, we should have been the first to offer. And then there are other guys out there like Kelly Jones, who I like a lot. He's under-recruited and I think undervalued. You, know, you offer that guy first and nobody else does. It really doesn't validate your offer. And so, again, it's easy to kind of jump on board when you see everybody else offering. But I still contend to you that we've got to do a good job of evaluation and be prepared. One of the things that Sylvester Croom did years ago, and uh, Coach kind of figured it out late when it came to recruiting, you know, the uh, the SEC and the NCAA and those kind of folks, you know, you, you couldn't send out an official offer. It's like the beginning of their their senior year. You could do a verbal offer. I mean, there were so many people that wrote articles about that and called the NCAA. What about this verbal offer? This needs to be outlawed. I mean, it's a, what a stupid thing to legislate. But, um, you know, all that said – is on signing day one year, and I can't remember what year it was, on signing day one year, Coach Croom and the staff faxed out, I don't know, maybe a dozen in-state offers you know, to, to the next group. Now, the, the time frame has changed on recruiting a great deal since then too because you know, you're having to recruit guys earlier and offer them earlier. But there was this great letter, and I don't know who came up with the idea, but on National Signing Day, when we're all waiting for a fax from players, we're faxing. That's right, we're faxing. We faxed these offer letters to these juniors. And it's like, hey, w- while we're finishing up our recruiting class for 2003, we're already thinking about you. And we want you to be signing with us this time next year. It was incredible. And, and again, times have changed. But you send that out there, and all of a sudden, the, the kids just feel so special. It's like, man, are you kidding me? On NAFL signing day, I mean, it's a year away from when I sign, and I've already got an offer. And so, and this was, in many respects, kind of the infancy of social media. And so, all of a sudden, it spreads like wildfire. And so, that was really good. And it showed that we had done our homework, and we knew who the players were, and we knew who to offer, and we wanted to be first. 
And there are some guys in this state that are going to be no doubters, and you know you got to be first. There are some others that are valuation guys, and you'd love to be first, but you got to be careful about being first because when you offer an in-state kid, you better be ready to take him. You can't slow play an in-state guy and then uh, get into a situation where you end up having to drop him or, or kind of move on from it. But um, So I mentioned early on, um, you know, we talked about you know, Meridian's Quindarius Jones. Now, this is a guy right here. This is one of the things that I'm talking about. Now, I'm not going to sit here and tell you that he wouldn't have committed to Florida State this summer. But I don't know if you've noticed, Florida State was his first major offer. And so he's gotten into the month of June, and he goes to a camp, and he gets the offer. And it's like, well, wait a minute. All I have besides this is junior college offers. Well, I better jump on this to make sure I have it. And that's not to say that he doesn't love Florida State. But my, my, my point is, is you know, you're basically, what, five and a half months away from signing day? Six months at the time? You're thinking, you know what? I got to make sure I got something. Florida State is a major program. Yes, they've had four losing seasons in a row. It's kind of been a mess out there. But, however, State, Ole Miss, Southern Miss, nobody's really shown me any love. They've recruited me a little bit but they haven't offered me. So now if you're Mississippi State or you're Ole Miss, and Southern Miss, you're probably out of it, right? But now if you're State or Ole Miss, now you've got a fight on your hands. Had you offered him first and then Florida State offers, I don't think he's committed to Florida State today. He may not be committed to anybody. He might be committed to you. But I think if he had had multiple offers in hand, then Florida State offers, I don't think he commits so quickly because I think he still has to kind of work through the process. And so I think our inaction here basically made life easy on Florida State and created some real anxiety with Quindarius Jones. And again, I I love this kid's game. I didn't know a lot about him. I saw him on 707. After he committed to Florida State, he comes to our camp, and I'm out there talking to Larry Weems. I'm like, you know, where'd this kid come from? I mean, you look at him, and it's like, I don't know how anybody couldn't have watched that kid and said, you know what? This guy's a dude. And again, I believe in, you know, believing in your own evaluation. That's one of the things I, I give Scott Kennedy a lot of credit. We talk about him a lot on the show. And, you know, I, I'm not a guy that played football at the highest levels. I'm not a guy that, uh, you know, is going to be able to evaluate a lot of the nuts and bolts. But I, I know an SEC player when I see one. You know, when Jamie Newberg and those guys, you know, they, they, they said, hey, this is what we're going to look for. And one of the things that I was weak on was offensive linemen. And so my cousin, Chuck Robertson, who won a state championship as a head football coach at Taylorsville, sometimes when I'd have questions about offensive line, I would call him. I'd say, hey, can you watch this kid's film? What am I looking for? You know, this kid looks pretty good to me, but he doesn't have any offers. This other kid looks pretty sloppy to me. And he's got a ton of offers explaining to me the difference. And so you have to have kind of a thirst for knowledge here to kind of figure these things out. And again, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm a website publisher. Okay, if I was going to get them all right, I'd be, you know, be on a college staff somewhere. But there are a lot of people out there that uh, are better at this, and I don't know how anybody could look at Kondarius Jones and think, ah, I think he might be a follow-for-now guy. I, I just don't get it. I, I really don't. And, again, that's one of those things. And, I listen, I think that's Tony Hughes' territory, and I can guarantee you this. Tony Hughes went by there and saw that kid, and if I know Tony, and I do – I guarantee you Tony probably beat the drum for this kid. And for some reason, we didn't offer it. Now, if we do, and I think we should, 
then uh, you know we've got a, a fight on our hands just because of the fact that uh, if I'm Florida State and I'm Woodson out there, I'm like, hey, well, where were those guys when we offered? You know, they could have offered you. I mean, you're in their home state. I mean, these guys pass by your school all the time when they're out riding around. Why didn't they offer then? Oh, they, oh now that we've offered you because we believed in you, now all of a sudden they're motivated? Man, those guys are lazy. That's, that's what I would say. Now, I'm not sitting here calling our staff lazy, but if I'm at Florida State, I'm playing that up. That dog will hunt, right? And so – Again, there is some risk-reward with all of this. You have to be careful. But I just think that's a guy you look at. There's no doubt the guy's an SEC player. So let's kind of look at some other stuff here now that I've kind of beat that horse to death. So there has been some discussion here as of late about Gid Perkins. You know, he's listed his son, Tareen Perkins. He's been committed to Ole Miss for a long time. Now, his dad told me at camp back in June, we're going to go, we're going to go through the process. We're going to work through the process. They'd come to Mississippi State, and uh, it's funny, you know, I, I said they all, whole family showed up wearing maroon and white, and somebody's like, well, what are Raleigh school colors, Mr. Ole Miss guy? Yeah, they're maroon and white, but they were wearing Mississippi State stuff. I tweeted out a picture of Gip Perkins wearing Mississippi State stuff, and somebody's like, oh, yeah, oh. You swing at the king, you best not miss. Uh, so, but his dad told me then, he's like, hey, you know, we're, we're just going to kind of work through this. Yeah, we're committed to Ole Miss, but, you know, we committed really early. We're going to get out and go see some schools. We're going we're gonna to go visit Alabama, probably visit Florida. They'd been to Mississippi State a couple times, you know, and so it was still, you know, this thing is not over with Perkins. Now, I'm not going to sit here and tell you that I think Mississippi State gets him because I don't. I won't say it's impossible, but as I said on jeanspage.com, I think it's unlikely. Um. If he stays in state, I think he goes to Ole Miss. There's some Ole Miss people around him that have some influence, and that's not in any way to diminish the role the family's going to play in the decision. But there are some people out there that, you know, they're very pro-Ole Miss, and that's not to say there's anything improper about that. We've got some you know, some coaches and some locals at some high schools, too, that are very pro-Mississippi State. Doesn't always work out. But, you know, he's got some people in his ear about Ole Miss. Got some people in his ears about Mississippi State, too, just not as many. But uh, there's some discussion earlier this week on the Alabama message boards that Perkins may be on the, the verge of flipping to Alabama. And I will say this. I don't care how much local you know, commitment you have and how much pressure you have and how much support you have. Uh, it's tough to flip a kid away from Alabama if you're a Mississippi school, especially these days. I mean, it really is. Now, a lot of Mississippi kids have gone out there. It's kind of a cautionary tale, and everybody thinks they're different. But to be honest with you, I think Gid Perkins probably is, right? He, he's a lot better player than Kadarius Callaway. And I was not really big on the Kadarius Callaway bandwagon, even when he was committed to Mississippi State. And, and not that he's not talented. I just don't know that he has a natural position. I know at East Mississippi, I've heard they're moving into running back, and maybe that's the spot for him. He kind of has more of a running back build, I guess. Um, but a lot of people were like, oh, we're going to take him at safety. And then you watch his film – it just doesn't look like safety. Maybe he's a box safety. You know, maybe he's kind of like that extra linebacker that can get downhill. I just didn't think that he had the ability to cover over the top. And, again, that, that, that doesn't mean he's not a good football player. It just means I don't think he's a great safety prospect. So he goes to Alabama, which was a surprise to me. When I saw that Alabama offered, I said, this is probably an invitation to camp. But, of course, that was back in 2020. So we didn't have camps, and then they make a move and they get him, and then he didn't even last a semester, and he's at East Mississippi. And so we wish him the best. 
But I think Get Perkins is a much better player and has more of a natural position. You know, he plays running back there at Raleigh High School, and I think that's just kind of given the best athlete to football. I think he's a linebacker on the next level. I think this kid's an NFL guy. I don't think there's any question. And I think Ole Miss is going to have a tough time keeping him. Uh, a lot of discussion, again, that he's about to flip to Alabama. Don't know how true it all is, but, I, again, I go back to that conversation that his dad said, we're going to go through the process. And so this commitment to Ole Miss in many respects is kind of a commitment in word rather than deed. He is also the long in-state commitment for Ole Miss in this class. So should he decommit, flip to Alabama, Ole Miss heading into mid-late July would have no players from the state of Mississippi committed in their recruiting class. And uh, that is rather interesting to me. I, that, that's probably never happened in the history of the program. Not just in my career or in all your years of following recruiting, that's probably a first in the history of the Ole Miss football program that you wouldn't have a single Mississippian committed. Of course, you know, get spent with them for. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. For a while, but if he flips, they'll have zero. It's a different day and time. And again, that whole Ole Miss strategy, not being critical of it, because I think, you know, it's going to be interesting. And Lane Kiffin may be a mad scientist. He may know more than the rest of us and say, you know what, hey, we're just going to work the portal. And there's a lot of discussion. They're going to probably have 60 to 65% of their class come from the portal. Uh, I don't think it's sustainable. I've said that on the show before. And I think that there are some in-state coaches that are kind of responding because they feel like in many ways that their guys are getting left behind and not being recruited by the in-state schools with, uh, with the exception of maybe State and Southern Miss. But uh, you've seen the tweets out there when you know, he's like, hey, come to the SIP, and some of the coaches have said, hey, coach, recruit the SIP. All right, let's kind of move forward here. I had to stop and take a drink. You've got to forgive me. But, <clears throat> but uh, the Get Perkins thing is just something to really watch. And um, I think it's important to understand, too, that uh, the recruiting process for many of these young people is really just beginning. Aiden Williams, the top receiver in the state, I think there are probably two receivers in the state this year that are worthy of an offer from Mississippi State. Aiden is one of them. Um, Javion Butler from Scott Central is the other. He's currently committed to the Miss. I think he is better than a G5 guy. That's a good get versus the Miss. But Aiden Williams, from the very beginning, I talked to a member of his coaching staff from the very beginning. I said, hey, I've got to recruit. I think he's going to be a big-time guy. But he's a guy that's really focused on, you know, the lights and the glitter and the glam and all that sort of stuff. Probably going to go out of state. If he does stay in state, it's probably going to be Ole Miss. He has some Ole Miss people around him. Um, and that's really been the case. You know, when he released the top six, he didn't include Mississippi State. I have been told that LSU was kind of his dream offer, and he got the offer from LSU, but he hadn't done anything. Now, Aiden may be a guy that just kind of wants to work through the process and make a decision late. Everybody's got their own time frame. I haven't spoken to him in a while, but I love his game. I know South Carolina's kind of jumped in with him here recently. They could be a factor. Shane Beamer is a guy that is a relentless recruiter. He did a great job here at Mississippi State when he was recruiting. 
But Aiden Williams not coming to state. And so I think you look with the top two players, you know, not really a good option for state. Even though state, I think, has done a good job recruiting Perkins, I don't think we get him. And I know that Steve Spurrier Jr. is still recruiting Aiden Williams, and I don't think we get him. And it's not for lack of effort. You know, sometimes there are more Ole Miss guys uh, than there are state guys in the state. This year, I don't think that's the case. But at the top of the class, there's a couple guys there that aren't real serious about state. And then for a long time, we believed that Isaac Smith was kind of going to be locked out for state. It's not the case. Not even mentioning Ole Miss these days. I don't know what's happened and it's fractured that relationship. But Ole Miss not really a factor. And from the very beginning, that's what everybody said. It was going to be Ole Miss, Ole Miss, Ole Miss. He's uh, in the process of setting up a visit to Georgia. Uh, potentially going to go look at A&M. So State's in there on him. And I continue to hear that State's recruiting him harder than anybody. So what used to seem impossible now seems possible. I wouldn't say probable yet. But I do believe that State's done a really good job with Isaac Smith. And if he stays in state, I expect it to be Mississippi State. And I wouldn't have said that two months ago. Uh, Jamarius Brown, number four player in the state, he's listed at 6'3". I think he's closer to 6'1". He has added some big offers here as of late. Added Texas, added Nebraska. He is They've listed him as an edge. That's in, incredibly wrong. He is going to be an interior guy all the way. He's going to be a 290, 300-pounder. Uh, his first year in a college weight room. And again, an explosive player. State's been on him, and there was some chatter from the Ole Miss side here a couple months ago that he was on the verge of committing to Mississippi State. That didn't match the information that we had, and he ultimately elected to push his decision date back. Well, he's added more offers. I think he's up to 18 now. Uh, this is a guy, too, it's, you know, again, not the biggest guy, but he plays really big. You'd like to be able to keep him in state. State's in the mix there. I don't think you really know who his favorites are at this point. I think he's still figuring things out. But, again, a guy early on that we were told we weren't going to be involved in, he visited Mississippi State for the first time in his life and loved it. He's got a good relationship with Phelps. Again, I'm not going to sit here and tell you I expect State to get him, but State has worked their way into this deal. Now, back to our first point about in-state recruiting, about kind of getting out first. Dante Dowdell from Picayune, committed to Oregon. Now, it's easy to be committed to Oregon in June. It's easy to be committed to Oregon in September. It's not so easy to be committed to Oregon in in December and then think about having to leave your family and go that far away from home. And sometimes we forget what it's like to be young. Uh, So this is a guy that I firmly believe, based on the information that I have, had State offered him early, he would be a Mississippi State commitment. The question's always been, is he a running back? Is he a linebacker? Well, just how about we take him as an athlete? How about that? I think we mishandled the situation. And I know there are a lot of people out there that agree with me. And, again, I'm not just here to carry the, you know, the company line. You can't let this kid get away. And there was a lot of Ole Miss confidence they were going to get him. I was being told privately that Ole Miss really wasn't the factor that they believed they were. I do think in the end they could be a factor because of the fact I think they'll cycle back late and begin to kind of look at some of these kids and possibly bring up some NIL deals uh, later in the process. Uh, But I'll be surprised if Dante Dowdell signs with Oregon. Not saying he's going to Ole Miss. Mississippi State haven't even offered him yet. I think you got to try to get in the game. 
And I know some of the hesitation was, is okay, he doesn't fit our offense as a running back. He's potentially a linebacker. But before we take him, before we offer him, we want to see him in camp. Well, before he even had a chance to camp, he was committed to Oregon. And so I think the bridge is probably burned there. I don't know if we cycle back. But, again, I think this is a situation here where we may have outsmarted ourselves a little bit. Tobias Hidden is number six, and we're not going to do the full 25. We're just going to kind of work through the 10 here. The number six player is uh, Tobias Hinton. I like him, and as I've shared on this show before, I don't know that he's a surefire SEC guy. I think I think I take him because he is a linebacker from your home state. He has good straight line speed. Um, looked really good in testing, not so much in drills. So maybe you get another look at him. I think he wants to come to Mississippi State. I think if, if Matt Brock or, or Zach Arnett called him today and said, hey, Tobias, let's make it happen, I think he would. I think he would go ahead and get his edit and jump in the boat and be committed. But he is a guy that I think um, maybe number six is a little bit lofty. Maybe he should be number nine or ten. But this is a good player. And he's a guy that's got a lot of out-of-state offers, but nobody really seems to be pushing him just yet. I think people want to see a little more from him. Uh, the number seven player in the 247 composite is Ty Jones. I love Ty Jones. Uh, and I don't know why Ty Jones' uh, composite went down. I think there's some people out there that just didn't evaluate him. I think he committed and they just put a default three-star on him. 247 thinks a lot of Ty Jones, and I do too. I think Ty Jones will probably be a guy you take as an athlete and then maybe, maybe move to linebacker. And uh, 247 Sports has actually moved his positioning from athlete to linebacker. Uh, but he is a guy that can play running back. He is a guy that can play linebacker. Um, could play defensive end in some, some situations. Uh, but I, I think, again, this is a great player. And, again, a good job of identifying the guy early, offering him early, and getting him in the boat early. Uh, number eight, Caleb Bryant. You know, I might, to be honest with you, I think, I think Ty Jones and Caleb Bryant, I might actually have ahead of Dante Daldell and Tobias Hinton in my rankings. And part of that is because of the fact that I think Caleb Bryant, number one, uh, is going to be a very productive college player. He is committed to Utah, and I'll be honest with you, I don't expect that to to stick. And I know uh, Chad Bumpus is all over him, and and we love Chad. We always have, we always will. And Chad's done a great job recruiting him. And, again, it's easy to be committed to Utah in July. You know, we've all heard Post Malone, what's it like to be out there in Utah snow. And so things could change a lot with him I think in the end it's going to be tough to get him out of the south I think there will be some people that will merge late I think he'll take some official visits late and I think ultimately he'll flip late uh, number nine Brayson uh, Brayson Hubbard this is a guy that I've got a friend down at OS that's been sending me information about this kid for two years and now if he goes to Alabama and camps he's going to get that offer and we're probably not going to get him but what if we offer him first and get him committed, and then he likes not to go to camps? Well, then he never gets the Alabama offer, but he never gets committed to Alabama. You know, again, this is a situation here, and again, I, because of the fact that he is a positional player that you want to work out of different spots, I get it. you got to wait for camp. It just so happened that the Alabama camp came before ours, and then he commits there. And so chances of him flipping, I think, are pretty slim. I think he'll, he'll stick with them. Uh, Mac Howard, you know, he transferred from Heritage Academy to Oxford. He's currently committed to Utah. I do think that one sticks. 
Uh, I do. I think that'll ultimately stick. I think Mac, uh, it's a chance for him to play in the Power Five. I, you know, he's an LSU legacy. I don't think LSU comes back on him late, but I think that he is a guy that uh, that you'll look at again. State didn't offer him. If State had offered him, I think he's probably committed. Could State go back and get him now? Maybe. But, you know, State right now is, of course, uh, really focusing on Chris Parson. So that's how the top ten looks right now. And, again, some some changes. But, again, too, I think we as a staff have got to make sure, got to make sure that we are getting out first. We've got to identify these guys first. We've got to make sure we get them offered first so we can get them in the boat so we're not fighting later. That's the thing that there's a lot of fans out there that like we need some external validation, like we need another school to offer him. Because, well, if Alabama's offered him, he's got to be good. You know, a lot of these early Alabama offers are invitations to camp. And so uh, I, I'm going to tell you, there's some <laughs> – I look back at some of our history at some players that, uh, you know, committed to another school and they, they beat out Memphis and Southern Miss and then you get to signing day and on their – on their offer sheet, it shows they got Alabama, Georgia, Florida, and everybody else, and they didn't even get a postcard from them, much less a scholarship offer. And so, uh, unlike some other people, I just I tend to trust the tape more so than the offer sheet. But when kids in our state are surefire Power Five guys, we've got to be out first. We can't be playing catch up in state. And so that's my thought about it. Again, and I'm, again, not being overly critical of anybody, I'm just saying. We got to get out first. You know, I, I look at the Kelly Jones situation, and I, and I still don't understand why he didn't have more offers. Uh, and I think it would make some of you guys feel better if he had them, but it doesn't change the player that he is. It's not going to make that tape any better. You know, the tape is really good. The guy's a real athlete. I think we should have been again. You, you offer him first and get it done. We did offer him first. We just kind of waited till we got him in the camp. Sometimes you're not going to be able to do that. Sometimes you're not going to be able to wait till they get to camp to kind of figure out if you want to take them or not got to be careful with it, but at the same time, too, you got to be aggressive. Let's uh, take some time now and uh, talk about Prime Shrimp for a second. Go to primeshrimp.com today. This promotion ends at the end of the month. you got two weeks left. Go to primeshrimp.com today and use promo code BONEYARD and save 20 bucks off your first order. Four great flavors to choose from. And the thing that I love about it, number one, it's shipped directly to you in these very, very handy pouches that will fit firmly in your freezer without taking up too much room. And they're ready to cook shrimp. You don't have to peel them. You don't have to devein them. You don't have to pull the tails off. The bottom line is you just put on a pot of water to boil. Ten minutes later, you drop them in there, and then you're ready to eat. Simple as that. Really, really, really good, good shrimp from PromShrimp.com. They're a Louisiana-based company. Been in the shrimping business since the 1940s. Be sure and go check them out today. Again, that's PromShrimp.com, promo code BONEYARD. All right, time for tonight's top 10 list, or today's, depending on where you are. Uh, this is going to be a special one, too. I reached out and got some help from some people that maybe a little more about this music than I do. So you know we're probably going rap, right? So top 10 brought to you, as always, by CloseWithBlair.com. Visit Blair Chandler at CloseWithBlair, C-L-O-S-E, with Blair, B-L-A-I-R.com. Or you can call or text Blair today at 601-500-2344. Again, that's 601-500-2344. You know, I say a lot of the same things every time we do this ad. Got some friends that reached out to, to Blair. They'd had some difficulties in the past. Blair got the job done. 
and they say, you know, Steve, I hear all these ads and, you know, not just with you, other people, and we just don't want to be let down again. I get it. I get it. I do. Especially you get your hopes up and you start thinking all the good you could do with that money and how it improves your quality of life. Let me tell you, if you've been a hard luck case, reach out to Blair. If anybody can get it done, it's him. And it's not going to be one of these situations, too, where, you know, he's trying to kind of uh, be, a, you know, exploit your, your situation. He's going to get you the best loan possible. And if he can't get you a loan, he's going to tell you that. He's going to be honest and tell you what you need to do to improve your situation. Reach out to Blair today, I'm telling you. Many people today are living paycheck to paycheck, and maybe you've got some equity built up in your home, and you can use that to consolidate some of that debt into one loan monthly payment. Maybe you need to cash out some money to get some home improvements done. I don't know your situation, but I can tell you Blair Chandler is a mortgage professional with 21 years of experience in the industry. Reach out to Blair. If you mention to him you heard about him on this show, he's going to pay for your appraisal. It's about a $500 value. Be sure and check it out today at closewithblair.com. Okay. We had great success with Best of the 504. That was incredible. I mean, your response to that was remarkable. So we're going to go back, and we're going to do something similar. We're going to do Best of the Mississippi Rappers. We could do Best of the 601, but some of them are from the 662 and some from the 228. So, so here we are. And uh, again, I don't listen to a lot of rap. And like, I'm out, you know, I'll listen to some Bobby Brown time and time, or I'll put on some Public Enemy and things like that. Um, but I have had some people reach out to me and say, you know what, Steve, you know, this, uh, you know, your boy, Nico Whitley, and Nico is my guy, man. I love Nico to death, man. I went and saw Nico play in high school. I, was, I, I put the first wheel on that bandwagon, man. I love Nico Whitley. And not a big rap guy, but Nico is a guy that's beginning to have some real success. They dropped a new album, him and Pedro, uh, on May 5th called Love and War. So I thought, hey, what better way to talk about that on the show? Nico Whitley, a guy that gave his body and his talent for Mississippi State, Back in 2013, played the entire year with the parts we tore an ACL just to help get us to a bowl game. As soon as the Egg Bowl was over, you know, his last shining moment at Mississippi State uniform is him forcing the fumble of Bo Wallace and then going and headbutting Bo as he laid on the ground to tell him something. And to this day, Nico won't tell me what he told him. But Nico is a rising star in the rap music industry. And so I wanted to give Nico a shout-out. So what better way to do that than let's uh, – do a top 10 list and get him in here. And so, and Nico, like I'm looking at his, Nico's got what, four albums out now? Did you know that? It's crazy. The pride of Provine High School, Nico Whitley. So we're going to go with the title track off the new album, Love and War. Love and War from Nico and Pedro. Be sure and check that out. That's your number 10 song on the best of, best of the sip, let's call it. Number nine, I'm not really into political stuff, uh, but uh, there's a rapper from Kill Michael, Mississippi, that had a big hit. It is kind of political, obviously. It's called Let's Go Brandon from Topher, T-O-P-H-E-R. That's your number nine song today, Topher, Let's Go Brandon. And if you had to get gas this morning, maybe you're ready to listen to that. Uh, Number eight, Big Walk Dog. We're going with Whole Lot of Ice featuring Little Baby and Pooh Shiesty. That's your number eight track, Big Walk Dog. Number seven, Afro Man. Everybody knows Afro Man. It seems like he's played every big show and big festival in the state of Mississippi. 
We're going to go with the classic because I got high. That's number seven. Number six, a guy that in many ways kind of broke through, put Mississippi rap on the map in many respects. It's David Banner. And we're going to go with uh, Get Like Me featuring Chris Brown and Young Jacques. And Dave Banner has had a lot of commercial success. I know there are a lot of people out there that uh, maybe are unfamiliar, but Dave, David Banner, like in every video we did early on, everything was about Mississippi. Guy that really puts on for the state. Number five, an absolute legend, died too soon, died 2011. Probably if I, if I had made the pick here, and I didn't, I let my children put this list together and their older brother put it together and they all kind of voted. I would have gone with Regulate with Warren G, but it's Nate Dogg. We're going to go with Shake That, Eminem. Ani says that he felt that Nate Dogg's rap on that song might be the high point of that track, Shake That. I didn't think, Shake That's not a great Eminem song to me, but again, I gave Ani an the list here. Now, I have been given the pronunciation guide on this, and it's Ray Shremmerd, and it's Ear Drummers Backwards. Like, for years, I thought it was Ray Sherman. And I was like, I didn't, I, I didn't know what it all meant. But it's Ray Shremmerd, and it's Ear Drummers Backwards. There was, some, there was some controversy with this pick. I wanted to go with somebody come get her. She's dancing like a stripper. But I was voted down. They went with no type. You know, Black Beatles was obviously a big hit for them. And, you know, these guys have had a lot of, you know, Sway Lee, you know, Mississippi guy too. Uh, but the reality of it is, I'm voted down, so we're going with No Type, a deeper track. Number three, a song that everybody knows, but it's a bit of a one-hit wonder, and I know some people message me and say, Steve, really, no, he's not. But we're going with Soldier Boy, Crank That. And we all know it, and that you know, we play it at, at Davis Wade Stadium, and, and the crowd and the team comes alive. One of my favorite moments in the last few years is, I guess it was A&M, we had... Uh, kind of put the game away and we get ready to kick off and the entire team is out there dancing on the field. I wanted to go dance with them. I was so happy. That's your number three song. Number two, and a lot of people don't know this, but Rick Ross is from Mississippi. He has had probably the most commercial success of any of the Mississippi rappers. Now you could make you, you could make a loose connection to Snoop Dogg. I don't know if you know this, but Nate Dogg and Snoop Dogg are actually cousins. And it's not because they have the last name Dogg. They're actually cousins, and then Nate moved out to California, and then he and Snoop hooked up, and then next thing you know, Nate's career exploded. Uh, but Rick Ross, probably, as far as true Mississippians, probably the biggest success, Rick Ross. But we're going to go with, and there's, I'm going to have to use the initials here. I didn't pick a song. F with me, you know I got it, featuring Jay-Z. And really, anything with Jay-Z, I'm, I'm all about. But number one, and I believe this gentleman is from Meridian, and so this is Ani kind of putting his voice and stamp of approval on this. We're going with Big Crit, number one. Big Crit, Big Bank featuring T.I. I'm a T.I. fan too. Bring them out, bring them out. So that's the top ten according to the Robertson family. So they've all had an opportunity to have some input here. Uh, so that's your top ten. One and again, really just kind of gives us an opportunity to shout out Nico a little bit. And so if you've been curious what he's up to, you know, I interviewed him uh, for Stark Villains, and uh, did a great job in the book. We talked about the 2013 Egg Bowl, and uh, if you're looking for that book, maybe you should get that, and uh, you can read Nico's account of what happened that season and kind of give you some behind-the-scenes stuff about the Egg Bowl as well as the 2013 season. But I want to support 
Nico as much as we can. So if you are a rap fan and you are unfamiliar with Nico's work, let me encourage you to get familiar. And if you are somebody, maybe it's just a Mississippi State fan, and maybe you're a casual rap fan, this is your chance. And again, that's N-I-C-K-O-E, Nico, and that's his real name and his stage name, Nico. And uh, again, rap's not really my thing, but listening to it, it sounds like stuff that I could hear on the radio. I mean, there is some explicit lyrics involved with it, but to me, it's very credible. It's very well produced. And the guy clearly has some talent. And so I want to see this thing take off. And uh, listen, if you guys will, too, I mean, you know, maybe just give Nico a few listens. Maybe throw a ball in his way or whatever. But uh, again, you know, we, we talk about Mississippi's music history. And we all talk about Elvis and Three Doors Down and Jimmy Rogers. And, you know, there's so many greats that have, had been connected to Mississippi and the Mississippi rap scene has kind of been underground, but we've had some guys that have had some real notoriety. And my hope is Nico will kind of ride that wave too. And so that's your top 10 today. If you have an idea for the top 10 list, reach out and let me know. Better yet, reach out to Roy directly on Twitter at Dogmatic. That's D-A-W-G-M-A-T-I-C-6-7. And Roy's not a very prolific tweeter. So if you want to follow him on Twitter and then have these lists kind of show up on your timeline so you don't have to go search for them later, that's probably smart. Or you can follow him on Spotify as well. Spotify, kind of hit or miss sometimes. But uh, Roy's done a good job kind of putting these things together for us. And so really want to make sure that we uh, you know, kind of keep up to date with you guys here. We get a lot of good ideas. And sometimes it takes a while for us to get to them because sometimes Roy and I will have some, like today, this pops up. I decided I wanted to do this because I really wanted to shout Nico out and uh, make you guys aware of the fact that he is really – working hard to make it in this industry and uh, has had a new album come out this year a few weeks back. And so uh, let's support one of our own, right? And let's celebrate many others that are part of our our Mississippi family here. And we talk about rooting for Mississippi, and I'm not big on rooting for Ole Miss and anything, uh, but other Mississippians that, that are championing themselves in their own God-given talents, I, I think it's important for us to support them. I am for Mississippi artists. There's no doubt about it. Uh, even if we don't agree on who we should cheer for in a battle for the Golden Egg. So this is our celebration today of Mississippi's rappers, the best of the sip. All right, next segment of the show brought to you by Campus Bookmart. Campus Bookmart is a Starkvillian institution that has been serving this great community and this great fan base for many, many years. Go by and check them out today. Go see their lovely and talented faces Smiling faces, <laughs> lovely, talented Susie, uh, Miss Kathy Brown, the wonderful Kathy Brown, and Miss Pam Minyard. They'll treat you like family because in their minds you are family. Simple as that. Uh, CampusBookmart.net is your online shopping resource when it comes to finding Mississippi State merchandise. Everything you need right there, one click away. And by using CampusBookmart.net, we'll give you a phrase that pays. That is BSR, which stands for Beautiful Steve Robertson. And that'll get you free shipping on all orders, over 50 bucks, any order less than 50 bucks, absolutely incomplete. Again, that's campusbookmart.net, promo code BSR. All right, so SEC Media Days kicks off next week, and there's been a lot of talk about who Mike Leach is bringing, who he's not bringing. Uh, I'm not that worried about it. I don't think SEC Media Days is that big a deal. I know other people think that uh, you know it is. I think we look forward to it because of the fact that uh, it's kind of the first big football function of the year, right? But uh, I don't know that it really matters. I do think that it probably may cost Will Rogers 
you know, some votes, you know, when it comes to all SEC. And we're going to talk about that in the final segment of the show. But uh, I want to go over who kind of who's going, who's not. There's not a lot of stars in the league this year that are making the trip. And there's some guys that will be draft prospects. But, uh, you know, not some guys that I think are uh, you're going to really move the needle, shall we say. All right, so here's who you have. And, and there's some interesting storylines with some of these guys. Will Anderson, linebacker from Alabama, is going. And he, he may be a Heisman finalist as a defender this year. An absolute freak, right? And when you think about us having to deal – number one, it's going to be tough to beat Alabama anyway, but having to line up against that guy, that's a real tough chore to say the least. Uh, Jordan Battle, a defensive back, also a senior from Alabama. And then Heisman Trophy winner Bryce Young – quarterback, a junior, a guy that's draft eligible this year and will likely come out uh, this year. I believe he's a junior. Maybe he's not, but uh, they list him as a junior. So Alabama is going to bring their quarterback. And uh, Will Anderson, the guy, obviously, that uh, got a lot of hype behind his name. Arkansas, I like their list. You know, Jalen Catalan is a guy that I love, and he, he got banged up last year, went into the transfer portal, removed his name from the transfer portal. He's back. He is a junior. I think he's a future NFL guy, provided he comes back healthy. Uh, we didn't have to play against him last year because he, he was injured. But um, this is a guy, too, that I think this year will receive a lot of accolades. And then quarterback K.J. Jefferson. You know, Arkansas fans, I mean, they're obviously the most rational SEC fans on Twitter. I think we all would agree. And, yes, I'm being sarcastic. They think that K.J. Jefferson should be considered a second or third best quarterback in the SEC, I don't agree with that. Though I do think that he will have a good year this year, and I think that uh, he has earned uh, the right to go. But uh, KJ, a guy, a Mississippian from North Panola High School, uh, headed to media days. And then Bumper Pool, a great interview. I think he'll be one of the more quotable guys. Not real goofy, but he does say some silly things from time to time. Uh, I do like his game, and he was a guy, too, that I really wish he'd have gone pro last year. Very productive linebacker at Arkansas. A guy that sees the field really well, anticipates plays, diagnoses them. Uh, so he'll be there. And then Auburn, this is a really interesting list. Okay, they don't know who their quarterback's going to be yet. We believe it's going to be Zach Calzada. Uh, Tank Bigsby. And Tank was a guy that was a preseason all-SEC pick last year. Went into the portal, withdrew from the portal. Now he's going to media days. That's interesting, right? I mean, it's like you see it with Catalan, but that's two schools back-to-back. And Bigsby's a guy, too, that uh, I think is an NFL back. Love his game. Really like everything about him. But uh, interesting that he is a guy that elected to leave that program and then rejoin it and is selected to go to media days. I'm sure that will be questions that he's asked, too. And then Mississippi and Derek Hall. The pride of Gulfport, Mississippi. A guy that was around a lot of Mississippi State people, elected not to go to Mississippi State. And this is back in the year, you know, when you, you had – now, Tim Labuka as a linebacker coach, and you have two SEC linebackers in the state, and you don't even get an official visit from Derek Hall or N'Kobe Dean. And, of course, both of them ultimately leave the state for their college careers. And now here's Derek Hall going to SEC media days. And then John Samuel Schenker, a tight end. Tight ends are always interesting selections for media days. I mean, they're not a huge part of your offense, but, uh, you know, Auburn likes to use a tight end. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see, you know, if there's any juice created there. But uh, I think Derek Hall could be kind of the highlight 
of this deal for Auburn. Florida's going to bring Anthony Richardson, their quarterback. He was the guy down the stretch last year that Florida fans wanted to be the quarterback. Now he's headed to media days. Offensive lineman Richard uh, Garage, or Goriage, and I apologize to the family if I mispronounced that name. He's going to be there. And then linebacker Ventrell Miller. And this Florida team, too, I think they're going to be better than people anticipate. People forget they went 6-7 and seven last year. You know, Greg Knox, of course, uh, leads them to a victory over Florida State. They lose the bowl game. So Greg Knox ruins his perfect coaching record there. But uh, this Florida team, too, it's just there's not this mystique about them anymore, and really any of the Florida schools for that matter. We talk about Florida State having four losing seasons in a row. You know, those two teams last year had to play the rivalry game with the winner going to be bowl eligible and the other one going home. Ultimately became Florida. Georgia. A really good group one for them. Stetson Bennett, of course. A lot of people thought when JT Daniels transferred to Georgia that he would win that job. He didn't. Of course, the best game of his college career came against Mississippi State, a game in Athens that I still contend that we should have won the game. Nolan Smith, linebacker, very productive guy. He'll be an all-SEC guy. There's no question about it. And then offensive lineman Cedric Van Pran. What a great name, right? It's a good name for an offensive lineman. You know, sounds like those great offensive linemen of the 80s. Kentucky, they're going to bring quarterback Will Levis. I am not a huge fan. You know, Robbie Falcon, that's where we disagree. Robbie and I work together. You know, Robbie thinks that he's going to have a big year. He's going to need to take a jump. He was not very productive last year. I understand his quarterback rating was really good, but um, if I remember correctly, 24 touchdowns, 13 picks, didn't do a whole lot in conference. He had a big game against Tennessee, but outside of that, Really didn't play well. Threw three picks against Mississippi State. I think State did a good job kind of confusing him, kind of bringing pressure, and then also, too, uh, that front side pressure forcing him to get rid of the football before he was ready. Offensive guard Kenneth Horsey. Uh, and then linebacker DeAndre Square. It seems like DeAndre Square has been there forever and a day. I'm, I'm ready for him to leave. I'm not going to be honest. I'm going to be honest about that. I, the guy can really, really play, and, and he's played really well against Mississippi State. We've got to go up there and play this year. Going to be tough, but I'm expecting us to win the game. This LSU list is really, really interesting. Uh, Jack Besh, you know, an LSU legacy wide receiver, he's going to go, and he'll be real polished and he'll say all the right things. And then Mike Jones, junior linebacker, who? Yeah, Mike Jones, junior. And then B.J. Uh, Ojolari, defensive end, junior. You know, those guys, you know, pretty interesting group there. But I think the thing with LSU, too, is I don't know that LSU has maybe the swag they used to have, if that makes sense. But uh, an interesting group. Ole Miss's group, Nick Broker, offensive lineman, he's a senior. A lot of people have him pretty high on the mock drafts. They think that he's a guy that will play pro football for a long time. Cedric Johnson, defensive end, and then Jonathan Mingo, wide receiver out of Brandon High School. Not a big Mingo fan, to be quite honest with you. Uh, nice kid. Everybody loves him, but he has not been very productive at Ole Miss. Now, this is not the offense he signed up to be a part of, but they're going to need him to be the player they hoped he would be. Uh, he had four stars next to his name coming out of high school, and there was a lot of hope late State might be able to flip him. Uh, it, but we didn't, and uh, you know the hope was we were Rodgers coming along and perhaps we would get him, but uh, we didn't. Of course, Mississippi State's list, Jaden Crumberty, defensive tackle, Nathaniel Watson, linebacker, Austin Williams, and all these guys are, you know, grad seniors. Crumity, of course, the guy that we expect to be a pro prospect. Buki Watson, 
I think he's a pro prospect. Austin Williams will go to camp with somebody and I think ultimately make the team because he's willing to go out and play special teams and do all the grunt work. Uh, Austin Williams, of course, another guy that uh, very highly accomplished as a student athlete has won several awards. Uh, he'll represent the program well. Will Rogers not going, and I'm perfectly okay with it. I know, again, a lot of people are like, I don't understand why I don't bring the quarterback. What I do think is that, you know, Will probably needs to be there to kind of be up the ladder of awareness so people understand who he is and what he's about. Uh, and people want to talk to him. Missouri's going to bring Barrett Bannister, a grad senior wide receiver, defensive back Martez Manuel, and Isaiah McGuire. If, if you can name three players on the Missouri roster, you've won SEC football bingo. Not a lot of players that uh, have a lot of name recognition from the Tigers program. South Carolina, uh, they're going to come. As well, they should. Shane Beamer be there. Javon Gwynn, offensive lineman. The carry-on joiner, wide receiver. Zach Pickens, defensive lineman. All three seniors coming. Uh, and it's really a kind of a, a reward for a lot of guys, too. Guys that do it right, represent the program uh, correctly. Tennessee's going to bring Javon, Travon Flower, safety. Quarterback, Hendon Hooker, grad senior. And then wide receiver, Cedric Tillman. And I th- honestly, I think Hendon Hooker being there will probably earn him second team quarterback. And that's the thing you start thinking, too. They, they ordinarily name three teams. Well, Will Rogers not being there, will that hurt him? Because you're going to have Bryce Young, who was the easy first pick, first team all-SEC quarterback. And there's KJ, and then there's Hendon Hooker. So do those three guys get voted on and get added to the, uh, the the list because of the fact that they're there? That's you know, so what does it mean to be preseason All SEC? I'd rather be postseason All SEC, but I think that uh, the fact that Will's not there may ultimately cost him a preseason selection by the media. Maybe not by the coaches, but certainly by the media. Texas A&M is going to bring defensive back uh, Damani Richardson, a senior, offensive lineman Layden Robinson, a junior and Anaya Smith, wide receiver, all-purpose. Uh, I really like him. I, I guess really fast. He just he absolutely is. They move him around a lot. I like how they utilize his speed uh, to make plays down the field. He had a good game against us. We won the game, but he played really well. Vanderbilt, Ben Breshton, a tight end. Anthony Orjai, linebacker, and then Mike Wright, quarterback. Of course, we played Mike Wright last year, and uh, – you know, Mike's a guy, too, that kind of won the job due to his athleticism, the fact that he could make plays when things broke down with his feet. We did a pretty good job containing him. Uh, but that's your SEC media days uh, roster. And so you feel pretty good about kind of who's coming and that kind of stuff. But uh, at the end of the day, I don't know how much it really matters. I mean, honestly, there's so much media today. It's not like it was, you know, when really only the print newspaper people went. There was Radio Row and that sort of stuff. And people needed content. But you know, nowadays they broadcast everything so all the online outlets can get it without even having to be there to ask a question. Uh, I, I think the question is, uh, you know, who is going to ask the silliest question? You know, every year somebody, you know, a few years ago, Chuck Roundsville asked, uh, you know, Coach, what are you going to do about Deep Snapper? And that was when, uh, you know, right before Hugh Freeze resigned, there was a, you know, a lot of pressure, of course, and I'm sure that was probably, hey, we would need Chuck to ask a question. But uh, – you know, what are you going to do with Deep Snapper? It's probably not something you come to media days to find out. But, uh, you know, at the end of the day, what do you really learn? You know, we haven't practiced yet. And so I think the whole event has been watered down. And I think a lot of it, we, we are so eager to see media days get here because we know that fall camp 
uh, is kind of right behind that. I think that's really the thing. And I think sometimes we place too much importance on media days. And so, again, I'd like to see Will Rogers there. But at the end of the day, I don't think it's a big deal. Uh, I think the three guys that are there are seniors and uh, very deserving recipients of the honor to go and speak at the SEC media day. Uh, so we'll see how things go from there. But, um, again, we talk about you know, getting guys hype or whatever. I don't know if you get hype from that. You may get picked on a list, but at the end of the day, you got to go play. you got to produce, and that's what matters most. I'd rather be postseason all-SEC than preseason all-SEC, and we're going to talk a little bit about that uh, in the final segment of the show, which is going to be brought to you by Portico. You know your friends at Portico. I've told you guys before, Brooks Bryan is my friend. He's your friend. He is a friend in Mississippi State, a friend of Starkville, and he and his friends put together this great residential development just on the outskirts of Starkville, 1.1 miles away from the Mississippi State campus. Very easy to find, very easy to get to, very easy access to Highway 82, 25, and 12. Tucked away in a nice little neighborhood right there off Old West Point Road. Really easy to get to. Uh, if you're looking to move to Starkville, and you should, whether it be permanently, maybe it's a future retirement home, maybe it's your ballgame weekend retreat, maybe it's your primary residence, Portico has a place for you. You can start with a two-bedroom, two-bath home, go all the way up to a four-bedroom, four-bath home, and Brooks can give you all that information. Reach out to him at 601-416-8075. Again, 601-416-8075. If I was moving to Starkville, I'd move to Portico. I live out in the sticks. I'd like to be closer to campus. But again, it's the quiet side of campus. You're not caught up in all the hustle and bustle. So it's close enough for convenience, but far enough away to have some privacy. It's a great place to raise a family. Make Portico your next move. So let's talk about some of these preseason SEC selections. Now, let's take a trip down memory lane, okay? Let's look at last year. And and maybe you're familiar with this. Maybe you're not. Uh, last year, you know, we look at what the, you know, the media picks. Now, I'm a member of the media, and so basically everybody that goes to media days gets to vote. You, know, there's, you don't have to show up. There's no disclaimer. You know, if you're a credentialed member of the media, you get to vote. And by and large, a lot of guys in the media don't know the other teams. Uh, and so as a result, they go work through their stat sheets or whatever, and they talk to their friends and and so it's got to be taken with a bit of a grain of salt. I, I put a lot more emphasis on the coaches' list than I do the media's list because I know that a lot of guys in the media are lazy. Um, but be that as it may, let's take a quick look back at last year. Um, so last year, your first team offense, the names that you would probably recognize, quarterback Matt Corral from Ole Miss, I think he finished second team behind Bryce Young, and that's correct. I mean, Matt had a good year. Running back Tank Bigsby, running back Isaiah Spiller from, from A&M, wide receiver John Mechie from Alabama, Traylon Burks from Arkansas, Jalen Weidermeyer from A&M, didn't get drafted, offensive lineman Evan Neal, offensive lineman Darian Kennard from Kentucky, offensive lineman Kenyon Green from Texas A&M, offensive lineman Cade Mays from Tennessee, and in center Nick Brahms from Auburn. Uh, and so Mississippi State last year had one player – selected preseason All-SEC by the media, just one. And that's three teams, offense and defense. Let that sink in for a second. We had one guy picked, and that was Charles Cross, who was selected preseason All-SEC by the media on the third team. So basically, in their minds, there were at least four offensive tackles better than Charles Cross, and then he ultimately ends up being one of the first tackles taken in the NFL draft. Finished the year as an All-American, and it's a first-team All-SEC guy. 
And so again, you take it with a grain of salt, and it's not just the fact that there's, um, you know, underrepresentation in many respects. I think this is kind of boils down to the fact that um, a lot of people don't expect a lot from Mississippi State. And so who do I expect to make it? Well, I've got a list here. Now, I think Will Rogers has a chance, probably is the third-team quarterback. And, again, I do believe him not being there will, will cost him votes because I don't think people are going to think about him. Forget the fact that he had one of the most prolific seasons in the history of, of the Southeastern Conference. But I think the fact that he's not there, that ladder of awareness type thing, will hurt him. I think people will vote uh, for Hooker, and I think people will vote for KJ because they're there. And it's not necessarily because people are affirming their selection as an SEC media rep. I just think people know, okay, Bryce Young and then somebody else. So Will will get some votes. I don't think the media will vote him in the top three. I think he has a shot at third team, but I think ultimately he misses the team. Uh, Then maybe Emmanuel Forbes. I think that's a guy, too. When you look at his numbers and you look at the fact that uh, he is one of the more productive corners in this conference, I don't think he makes first team because it's a loaded conference. He might actually be a third-team guy. He deserves to be preseason All-SEC, whether he is or he isn't, I don't know. I think he'll make postseason list. I think he's going to have a big year this year. And I think the coaches may vote him in more so than the media. The best candidate for first team, in my mind, is Tulu Griffin not as a receiver, as a return specialist, because they have one of those. I think he's probably the first-team guy, even though he's not at media media day. I think, worst case, he makes second team. I think, in the end, he's probably the highest-rated offensive player, according to the media, when they put their list together. Guy has a real chance when you look at how prolific he was last year and people were kicking away from him. And that's one thing, too, a lot of people in the media depend on stats. And so you look at his stats later in the year – they weren't quite what they were earlier in the year because people wouldn't kick it to him. But he has the ability and the talent to be named preseason All-SEC, and he certainly should be. Uh, who's going to go stump for him, though? Now, another guy that I think has the ability but may not have the production is Tyrus Wheat. Does Tyrus Wheat make it? Uh, he probably deserves it, but I don't know that he has the numbers to maybe justify it. You know, a couple of guys that do, Jet Johnson – extremely productive last year. A lot of people last year, Aaron Brule went, he was considered one of the best linebackers in the SEC, didn't play up to that potential. Jed Johnson's not going to be there, but if you are a guy that's kind of looking at stats to kind of get your idea together who you're going to vote for, Jed Johnson's the guy that's going to jump out. Ultra-productive linebacker. I could see Jet making maybe a second and probably a third team. And then you look at Bookie Watson. Bookie's another very productive guy, and Bookie will be there. And so it's this ladder of awareness thing, I think, that works in your favor. And so last year you had one all-SEC guy. I think State has multiple this year. But what's ironic is it's probably not any on offense. You know, Will Rogers, I guess, probably your best on offense. And he's probably vying for third team. And then, of course, Tulu Griffin will make it as a specialist. And then you look at defense. Forbes should make it, may not. Jet Johnson, probably not a hot name. But when you look at stats, should make it. Tyrus Wheat has the ability, may not make it. Bookie Watson has the production, and he's going to have the opportunity to have face time with the media. And so I could see multiple guys on defense make this all-SEC team. Now, the rest of that story is, is I believe 
that these defenders that make the team will validate their selection over the course of the season. I think this is a very linebacker-friendly scheme. I think Zach Arnett and Matt Brock are going to get these guys in a situation they can be very, very successful. And the fact that Deshaun Page and some of these guys are coming on a little bit, I think maybe you can keep them, keep them fresher later in the year. You know, you know, Jed broke his hand this spring, came right back out there, and uh, was actually way ahead of schedule when he came back out, uh, began workouts again with everybody else. But I think you know, Jed's a guy that may really benefit from being a preseason All-SEC because I think you know, maybe outside of Starkville or outside of the state of Mississippi, there are not a lot of people talking about Jed. So I will expect State to have multiple – all SEC guys on defense. Now, what that combination ends up being, I think it comes from one of four players. You know, Jaden Crumberty is a guy that's got NFL potential, doesn't have NFL stats, right? Of course, he was a guy, too, that got hurt late in the year, uh, didn't play in the bowl game, and it ultimately it cost us, uh, you know, a great deal. But I think when you begin to think about previewing how this thing shakes out, some of those names that we discussed will be in the mix. I've shared with you guys before, this is the best defense that Mike Leach has had at Mississippi State during his tenure. Zach Arnett, now three years in, guys understand the checks, they understand the blitz package, they understand their keys, and you've got a lot of veteran guys, so you're not having to reteach a lot. You're having to get your younger guys kind of up to speed. And so I, I think when we look at this in hindsight, you know, does K.J. Jefferson have a better year statistically than Will Rogers? No. No, he's not. Will, Will, Will Levis have a better year statistically than Will Rogers? No, he won't, because Will Rogers is a product of a very pass-happy scheme. He's going to have the opportunity to put up bigger numbers. The bigger question is, will Will Rogers have a better winning season than those guys? That's the real question. Will's going to have the stats, but can he lead his team to more victories? And I think it, a lot of it's going to boil down to tackle play. Now, unlike some other people, I'm not worried about right tackle. I'm not. I got to go to a handful of spring practices. Paul Jones went to all of them, and I agree that Paul will pro- – I think Paul's the only person that went to every one of them. Um, but I believe Paul would agree with me that Albert Reese looks the part, plays the part. Now, he's still got some things to figure out. There are times he gets a little bit high and doesn't really sink his hips maybe and engage and keep guys away from him. He allows guys to get down on him a little bit. There are going to be some people that try to bull rush him a little bit, and that's on the front side, Right. But I believe a couple of games with him, you're getting him some real game snaps. We're going to be fine at right tackle. We all expect to be better at right tackle. And I shared with you guys before, about 75% of our penalties came on offense, on the offensive line, came from the right tackle position. And that's not dumping on Scott Lashley. This is a guy who really was starting for the first time in the SEC and uh, got a little bit banged up at times. And um, you know, and, and had some struggles. I and mean, we all saw it. It's not like it's some big mystery. I'm not going to break any news here. But Albert Reese, I believe, is a future NFL guy. And I think that he's going to make you proud this year. He's not going to win them all. He's not. But he is a big physical player with a great wingspan. I think he'll do a great job there. Maybe a future left tackle at some point. But I, I'm not worried about right tackle. I think we're going to be solid there. It is also well established we're not going to be better at left tackle. That doesn't mean we're going to have a huge drop-off. But you had one of the most prolific pass blockers in the nation. It's a reason he was a first-rounder. Now, we don't have a first-round talent this year at left tackle. That's not to say that Percy Lewis couldn't develop into a draft pick over the course of his two years in Starkville. 
And Dollar Bill Johnson's a guy that's kind of played up and down the line. And, and really in 2020, you know, just didn't have the stamina. You know, just didn't have the stamina to play a four-quarter game. So you had to rotate some with him, and that upsets the continuity in the line. And 2020 was such a disaster for that line because of all the contact traits. You know, I don't think we played the same lineup all 11 games. I think it was a different group all 11. I, I've forgotten. We hadn't talked about that in a while. I hadn't done the math on it. But, you know, Dollar Bill, between those two, I think you can be good. I don't think you're going to be great. I don't think you're going to be pretty good. I don't think you're going to be really good. I think you're going to be good. Uh, you've got guys with size and athleticism out there, but uh, you're going to be lining up against some war daddies out there at left tackle. And so some of that, too, is going to be on Will. Will's got to find a way to identify the pressure early in a pre-snap read, uh, slide the protections, whatever he needs to do. But I think those guys are going to be better. I think the interior line is going to be really, really good. I think getting Q back is huge. Uh, that's a guy, too, I don't I don't think he was, there was any danger of him getting drafted last year. But you bring a guy now that's got three years under his belt uh, when it comes to this system. So he has seen everything, how people are going to attack the splits, how they're going to attack this offense, where pressure's coming from. There'll always be some fresh wrinkles. But old wins in college sports. It just simply does. You know, we always talk about, you know, this guy's really talented but needs some experience. You know, sometimes – you know, the more experienced players can beat the more talented guys because they're just a little more experienced and a little wiser about how things work in college football. So uh, I think we're going to be okay with every bit of that. And I think everywhere else, you're better. I think outside of the tackle positions, I think everybody feels pretty strong. Now, who's going to make up the production loss, you know, with Makai Polk moving on? I think it's going to be a by-committee approach. I don't think one guy is going to jump out there out of nowhere and catch 100 passes for against set school records. I just don't expect that. But I do think Caleb Ducking in the spring showed that he is capable of being a guy in this offense. And I think he's a guy, too, he doesn't know what he doesn't know, right? I don't think that he's a guy that's like, hey, well, Mississippi State's not supposed to beat this school. I don't think he subscribes to that. I think it's important that you have guys like that, too, that kind of understand that let's just go play the game. You've had some kids sometimes that's like, well, you know, we're not supposed to beat them. We're Mississippi State. And we're trying to kind of get that out of the fan base. And as long as our players don't accept that mentality, I don't think our fans will either. But, you know, Caleb's going to be a guy. But I think, again, you've, you've got to get more out of Tula Griffin this year, and some of that is schematic. You know, some of this is a you – know, got to feed him a little bit. You know, I think he's got to get touches early in the game because he is such an explosive runner. Give him an opportunity to go win a game for you. Uh, we need Rufus Harvey to take a step forward. We really do. He had a good spring. Uh, talk to Will Rogers, he'll tell you. You know, Rufus, maybe the light's coming on for him. He's not the biggest guy. He's got kind of a freakish wingspan, uh, really slippery in the open field. And you know what you're going to get from Austin Williams. You know what you're going to get from Jaden Wiley. Now, Jaden's also led us in drops the last two years. And I think some of that's just a byproduct of playing quarterback in high school. He didn't play a ton of receiver. They moved into receiver midway through his senior year. But he played quarterback because he was the best athlete on the team. And so uh, – is this something that's gotten better? He's also cut his dreads. I don't support that. Uh, but that being said, I think you know what you have there. But you're going to have to have some production out of Justin Robinson. You're going to have to have some of these newcomers come in. And then Antonio Harmon, I think, can be a bit of an X factor too. When you see him out there running around, he doesn't look like a younger guy. He is a younger guy. 
but he's also a guy that's got a bit of a chip on his shoulder because there were a lot of schools that recruited him, and a lot of schools wouldn't take him. And in some ways, Mississippi State kind of got him by default. And I think that's one of those things, too, where you give Steve Spurrier a lot of credit. You know, Steve could have just said, hey, listen, this kid's not showing us a lot of love. Early on in the process, he wasn't even returning our calls, and now he's living in our dorm, right? I mean, recruiting can be a funny process. And so I think Antonio Harmon is a guy that takes up some of that slack, too. So I, I don't expect Mississippi State to take any steps back on offense. I think actually we're probably going to take a step forward uh, this year. And Because if you look last year, if you look at most of the sacks, they came from the right tackle spot. And we'll give them some on the left tackle side, but my hope is maybe we balance that out a little bit. Maybe we give up a few more on the left side, but a lot less on the right side. And then you look at this defensive group, and we've talked about that before, about how this veteran front seven, old wins. And you look at the corners. DeCamerion Richardson, Darcel McBath tells me himself, DeCamerion Richardson had the best spring of all the corners are the most improved. I mean, you know what you got with Forbes, right? You know what you're going to have there. You just got to keep him healthy. Then you look behind him, and all of a sudden you've got depth. I mean, how many times last year do we think, and we just can't afford to get anybody hurt, and then Martin Emerson goes out of the Kentucky game for targeting, and then DeCamerion Richardson plays an incredible game. And then now the DeCam realizes, hey, Martin's gone. This is my opportunity. He appears to be rising to the occasion. Then you look behind him to Carlos Nicholson and Marcus Banks. You, know, you you got depth at the cornerback position now. You hadn't had that. We've illustrated that on the show before. Darcel McBath has flipped that room completely. Flipped. We went to LSU with Asias Furge and Martin Emerson, and we won that game, and our cornerbacks played exceptional. And, of course, Furge had a pick on one where he was completely, completely fooled on the play, but because we got pressure on the quarterback, the throw came out and it was short, and we pick it off. It was just our day, right? But Furge is a guy that uh, has kind of hung in there. He's a veteran guy, too. He's not going to start, but he could be a guy that kind of steps up and does some things for you. I don't expect, I think we've kind of recruited over him now. You know, he's probably a career special teams guy, but he's a guy that will be in a rotation a little bit. And then the safety room, you talk to some of the guys now, even Jason Washington now that's moved from safeties to running backs, he'll tell you. He goes, hey, I wish I'd had these guys the last two years we got some depth there. Now it's about kind of figuring it out. Where does everybody fit? You know, where does Morant fit, right? Transfer from Michigan. You know, how's that going to work out? Jalen Green's now got a year in his system. And so and now you look at this thing, you know, back in 2020, we would have given almost anything to have an SEC safety. If you have one SEC safety playing against Georgia and Ole Miss, you win those games. But we didn't, and everybody knew it. So what did they do? They just dialed it up and sent their first-team receiver against our career special teams guy. Who do you think won? Well, now they're not going to be able to do that. And now we've got some guys back there that can play. I think Jackie, Jackie Matthews is a guy, too, that some people have told me is a bit of a, uh, an assassin back there. Played corner last year at West Virginia. Got good cover skills. And is another piece out there. And so when you look at what we've done in the portal and you look at how we've recruited and you look at what we're bringing back – you know, this defense should be much better. And I think it's okay to expect more from defense because there were some times last year they let us down. You know, the Arkansas game comes to mind. And we needed to get a stop. We couldn't get one to win a ball game. And there's some other games you can kind of you know, point to as well. But there are other games that you know, they showed some flashes. Well, now you've got these guys. And it's kind of a money year, right, for those guys. And so you, the hope is that those guys go out there and play up to their potential. And, you know, talking to our defensive coaches, they're kind of cautiously optimistic. 
You know, and Leach is a little different. Leach will tell you, yeah, this is the best defense we've had. And I think maybe defensive guys are scared to admit that because the expectations are going to be a little bit higher, and you want to make sure these guys can manage those expectations. And so that's my tell me, too. We talked about the uh, the Bulldog Initiative, and I'm going to remind you, too, I want to thank you guys that uh, have already responded. I've gotten some messages that we have seen a spike uh, in membership. We have seen a spike in interest, and a lot of that's because of you guys. So, again, if you're wanting to get involved with Bulldog Initiative, please go to bulldoginitiative.com. And you can set up, you know, monthly payments. And it doesn't matter if it's 25 bucks, 50 bucks, 1000 bucks. All of it matters. We want you to give as much as you're comfortable giving. But the reality of it is, is we need you to give. We need you to give. And I had somebody tell me today, that I was reading on the message board, said, uh, you know, I think it's a black eye on college athletics. You know, at the end of the day, it doesn't matter what you think or I think or anybody thinks. It's here. We got to deal with it. Even if we don't want to, we got to deal with it. It's kind of adapt or die, right? So... Uh, kind of getting back to that too, you know, thinking about you know the future. Uh, we want to retain these football players, and we want guys to come in, and we don't want them to be victims of uh, tampering, and all of a sudden we lose a guy to somebody else. But uh, again, stay engaged with every bit of that. If you're on the fence about it, you know, maybe reach out to those guys, or maybe call Charlie, uh, hit the contact us form, and somebody will respond to you. And again, the website just went live this week. I know there's been over a hundred donors already. A lot of people are like, hey, I don't understand how this is working. There's been a bunch of people that have already given money that aren't registered donors on the website, right? That's just this week. We've already had over 100 new donors. And that's not counting the people that have Venmoed money uh, before the website was active or people that have just written checks and mailed it to a P.O. box. That's just 100 online donors this week. And it's more than 100 now. So join that growing list and make your contribution and commitment to Mississippi State. So I mentioned to you guys, too, I'll be back on Saturday. And, uh, you know, pretty soon we'll have the full schedule for fall camp. And uh, we're looking forward to that. We're really looking forward to that. I know you guys, too, are eager for us to get out there and be your eyes and ears and just kind of tell you how guys are looking. And we're going to do the best we can. But at the end of the day, it's going to be about who plays well and when. But I think it's fair to expect more from your team this year. You know, this time last year, we were all sweating out the schedule, and we're like, how are we going to get Bo eligible? How are we going to do it? We're going to have to upset somebody. Well, then we did. We upset a couple teams. We weren't expected to, to defeat. We lost a game that we shouldn't have, too, maybe a couple. Uh, I think this year, you know, it's not about, hey, let's just get Bo eligible. Okay, let's get in a good bowl game somewhere. Let's go to Vegas. Let's go to Dallas. Let's go to Florida. So I think, you know, we're better than a Tennessee bowl game this year. And I think that maybe – even some of our own fans are short-selling us a little bit. And let me go ahead and prepare you for this. We're going to get picked last in the SEC West again, which is typically the case. And you know what? That means absolutely nothing. Absolutely nothing. You know, we were picked last last year. That's that's usually how it works, right? We were picked last last year. And uh, I don't know if you know this. Maybe you've forgotten. Mississippi State finished 4-4 four and four last year, tied for third in the West. Now, it's only a game up over the last place teams, Auburn and LSU, but we finished 4-4 four and four in the league. Now, I don't know if you have paid attention to this. There were only four teams in the SEC that had a better record than 4-4. Four and four. That's Georgia that went 8-0, Kentucky 5-3, and three, and we beat them. Uh, Alabama 7-1, and one, Ole Miss 6-2. and two. And so when you begin to think about it in those terms, you know, if you, the overall standing, State finished tied for fifth in the SEC, 
the total SEC and, and won more, more conference games than Missouri, South Carolina, Florida, Vanderbilt, Auburn, um, and LSU. And then you, know, you finish there in the three-way tie with uh, Arkansas. So Arkansas beats us, and they beat A&M. So if, you, if, you, if you're doing – you're seeding the tournament, we're fourth. Fourth in the SEC West last year. We picked seventh. And so it means nothing you know, in the grand scheme of things. Anybody can make a list. Anybody can put together a preseason pick. And I bet that's okay. That's the reason we go play the games. And so go ahead and get ready. There's no point in getting mad. That's what's going to happen. Nobody, nobody's going to expect much from Mississippi State. I think Mike Leach likes it just like that. And I, I share with you guys, too, and we're going to begin next week our SEC team previews on the show. We're going to break down kind of what each team's got coming back and what we can expect. We'll get through media days, and we'll, we'll begin breaking that stuff down. But when I begin to look at this thing, too, it's like you look at you know Missouri last year, even at 6-7, and seven, underachieved. You know, defensively, they were a complete joke last year. South Carolina at seven and six overachieved. They kind of got lucky late. You know, they, they beat Florida. You know, it's kind of a crazy thing. You know, Florida being really down. Florida certainly underachieved. Vanderbilt probably on par. You look at the West. I think Arkansas probably, if I'm being fair, probably met expectations. Ole Miss met expectations. I think State, obviously compared to what they were picked, exceeded expectations. A and M. Eight and four last year to beat Alabama, then lose to Arkansas, Alabama, Arkansas, Ole Miss, and Mississippi State. Didn't meet expectations. Auburn certainly didn't. LSU certainly didn't. And so you'd say, but Steve, you know, you know, we had, those guys had to have a bad year. You know, how many years have we had a bad year? They needed us to have a bad year, right? And so when I go back and look now, you know, and think about how things were picked last year, I think it's one of those things you look at and you. You have to understand there's just no point in investing much emotional energy in any of that stuff. You know, people are going to pick LSU because they're LSU. I mean, forget the fact that it's a completely different system. It's a brand-new coaching staff. It's a brand-new quarterback, right? I mean, it's like there's just so much to it you look at and you say, there's so many moving pieces in the conference this year. And, again, I I go back and I begin to think, okay, can Georgia repeat – they lost so much on defense. I don't think they can, but they're they're gonna be a really good team again. You know, will Tennessee be better? I think Tennessee will be better. I think people are maybe underappreciating them, and they'd probably better enjoy it this year. I think sanctions will be here by next year. Yeah, you know, Tennessee won ten games last year. We beat those guys. They won ten games. And you begin to look at it, a lot of people say, well, they won 10 games last year, and they got a lot of people back on offense. Should they be better? You know, I, I, honestly, I, I'm expecting Kentucky to take a little bit of a step back. You know, maybe they're an 8-4 and four type team this year. I don't remember how we picked it when we uh, put it together. But the um, reality of it is a lot of parity in the league this year outside of the front runners. I think outside of Alabama and Georgia, anybody can beat anybody on any given day. Anybody. Well, with the exception of maybe Vanderbilt. You kind of understand what I'm saying. It's how wild it was last year. I think this year is going to, there's going to be a lot of craziness within the league. And I think, again, it'll be Georgia and Alabama winning the divisions. And then behind them, it'll be an absolute bloodbath. All right, listen, if you hadn't done so, go to dogpiledbook.com. I had somebody message me yesterday trying to buy a copy of Stark Villains for their dad or for their friend. And they said, hey, I want to get it personalized. 
So when you go to Dogpile the book, that's not just Dogpile. That's all the sports books. That's Alpha Dogs. That's Flim Flam. It's Stark Villains. You can order them all right then and there. And if it makes you feel better, go to StarkVillainsTheBook.com. It's going to take you to the same place. All those URLs will be the same website. You can get them signed. You can get them personalized. It takes a longer to get them personalized. Uh, but all they, they have signed stock of everything. You can order it. They'll ship it out to you pretty much the next day. And if you're looking for Blooms of Oleander, you can find it at Amazon.com, BarnesandNoble.com, BooksMillion.com. Also available as an e-reader. The only one of my books that is. And Stark Villains gear, always available at StarkVillains.com. And I've had a handful of people that said, yes, Steve, we'd love to buy a new Boneyard shirt. If you make it, we'll buy it. So we're going to look into that. And I don't know when it's going to happen, but uh, i got some other things you're working on, too, to kind of promote the shirts a little bit more. So be sure and check all that out. And I appreciate all your support. And uh, I'll be back in town. I promised you guys we'd take a show on the road. So you should be able to uh, listen to this on the day, Friday. And then now that we have Internet service back at the home, we should be Monday, Wednesday, Friday. It's been a, a, quite the, the journey, shall we say, but uh, I believe we're nearing the end. And again, as always, thanks so much for your support. Go to jeanspage.com and subscribe. Come interact with our experts. We have so many great posters that have such great insight. Come be a part of our wonderful Mississippi State community at jeanspage.com, the Mississippi State affiliate for 247 Sports. Until next time, let's all live our lives in a way we'll make more friends and enemies and people can see a difference in the way we live. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.